Hello and welcome to episode 297 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this evening. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Saturday, September the 10th, 2022, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the month of September, which is dedicated to commemorating the seven dollars of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Toward that end, we are working through the text of the Glories of Mary by the great saint and doctor of the church, Alphonsus Liguri. And this is entitled On the Second Dolor of the Flight of Jesus into Egypt. As the stag, wounded by an arrow, carries the pain with him wherever he goes, because he carries with him the arrow which has wounded him, so did the Divine Mother, after the sad prophecy of St. Simeon, as we have already seen in the consideration of the first dolor, always carry her sorrow with her in the continual remembrance of the passion of her son. Helgrino, explaining this passage of the Canticles, the hairs of thy head as the purple of the king bound in the channel, says that these purple hairs were Mary's continual thoughts of the passion of Jesus, which kept the blood, which was one day to flow from his wounds, always before her eyes. Thy mind, O Mary, and thy thoughts, steeped in the blood of our Lord's passion, were always filled with sorrow, as if they actually beheld the blood flowing from his wounds. Thus her son himself was that arrow in the heart of Mary, and the more amiable he appeared to her, so much the more deeply did the thought of losing him by so cruel a death wound her heart. Let us now consider the second sort of sorrow which wounded Mary in the flight of her infant Jesus into Egypt from the persecution of Herod. Herod, having heard that the expected Messiah was born, foolishly feared that he would deprive him of his kingdom. Hence, St. Fulgentius, reproving him for his folly, thus addresses him, Why art thou troubled, O Herod? This king who is born comes not to conquer kings by the sword, but to subjugate them wonderfully by his death. The impious Herod, therefore, waited to hear from the holy Magi where the king was born, that he might take his life. But finding himself deceived, he ordered all the infants who could be found in the neighborhood of Bethlehem to be put to death. Then it was that the angel appeared in a dream to St. Joseph and desired him to arise and take the child and his mother and fly into Egypt. According to Gerson, St. Joseph immediately, on that very night, made the order known to Mary. And taking the infant Jesus, they set out on their journey, as it is sufficiently evident from the gospel itself, who arose and took the child and his mother by night and retired into Egypt. O God, says Blessed Albert the Great, in the name of Mary, must he then fly from men who came to save men? Then the afflicted mother knew that already the prophecy of Simeon concerning her son began to be verified. He is set for a sign that shall be contradicted. Seeing that he was no sooner born than he was persecuted unto death, what anguish, writes St. John Chrysostom, must the intimation of that cruel exile of herself and her son have caused in her heart? Flee from thy friends to strangers, from God's temple to the temples of devils. What greater tribulation than that a newborn child hanging from its mother's breast, and she too in poverty, should with him be forced to fly? Anyone may imagine what Mary must have suffered on this journey. To Egypt, the distance was great, 
Most authors agree that it was 300 miles, so that it was a journey of upwards of 30 days. The road was, according to St. Bonaventure's description of it, rough, unknown, and little frequented. It was in the winter season, so that they had to travel in snow, rain, and wind through rough and dirty roads. Mary was then 15 years of age, a delicate young woman, unaccustomed to such journeys. They had no one to attend upon them. St. Peter Chrysologus says, Joseph and Mary have no male or female servants. They were themselves, both masters and servants. Oh God, what a touching sight must it have been to have beheld that tender virgin with her newborn babe in her arms wandering through the world. But how, asked St. Bonaventure, did they obtain their food? Where did they repose at night? How were they lodged? What can they have eaten but a piece of hard bread, either brought by St. Joseph or begged as an alms? Where can they have slept on such a road, especially on the 200 miles of desert, where there were neither houses nor inns, as authors relate? Unless on the sand or under a tree in a wood, exposed to the air and the dangers of robbers and wild beasts, with which Egypt abounded. Ah, had any one met these three great personages in the world, for whom could he have taken them but for three poor wandering beggars? They resided in Egypt, according to Brocard and Jensenius, in a district called Maturia, although St. Anselm says that they lived in the city of Heliopolis, or at Memphis, now called Old Cairo. Here, let us consider the great poverty they must have suffered during the seven years, which, according to St. Antoninus, St. Thomas, and others, they spent there. They were foreigners unknown, without revenues, money, or relations, barely able to support themselves by their humble efforts. As they were destitute, says St. Basil, it is evident that they must have labored much to provide themselves with the necessaries of life. Landolf of Saxony has, moreover, written, and let this be a consolation for the poor, that Mary lived there in the midst of such poverty that at times she had not even a bit of bread to give to her son. When urged by hunger, he asked for it. After the death of Herod, St. Matthew relates, the angel again appeared to St. Joseph in a dream and directed him to return to Judea. St. Bonaventure, speaking of this return, considers how much greater the Blessed Virgin's sufferings must have been on account of the pains of Jesus being so much increased, as he was then about seven years of age, an age, remarks the saint, at which he was too big to be carried and not strong enough to walk without assistance. The sight, then, of Jesus and Mary wandering as fugitives through the world teaches us that we also must live as pilgrims here below, detached from the goods which the world offers us and which we must soon leave to enter eternity. We have not here a lasting city, but seek one that is to come. To which St. Augustine adds, Thou art a guest, thou givest a look and passest on. It also teaches us to embrace crosses, for without them we cannot live in this world. Blessed Veronica de Benasco, an Augustinian nun, was carried in spirit to accompany Mary with the infant Jesus on their journey into Egypt. And after it, the Divine Mother said, Daughter, thou hast seen with how much difficulty we have reached this country. Now learn that no one receives graces without suffering. Whoever wishes to feel less the sufferings of this life must go in company with Jesus and Mary. Take the child and his mother. All sufferings become light and even sweet and desirable to him who by his love bears this son and this mother in his heart. Let us then love them. Let us console Mary by welcoming in our hearts her son, whom men even now continue to persecute by their sins. Example.
the Most Holy Virgin one day appeared to Blessed Colette, a Franciscan nun, and showed her the infant Jesus in a basin, torn to pieces, and then said, Thus it is that sinners continually treat my son, renewing his death and my sorrows. My daughter, pray for them, that they may be converted. To this we may add another vision, which the Venerable Sister Joanna of Jesus and Mary, also a Franciscan nun, had. She was one day meditating on the infant Jesus, persecuted by Herod, when she heard a great noise, as of armed men pursuing someone. And immediately she saw before her a most beautiful child, who, all out of breath and running, exclaimed, O my Joanna, help me, conceal me. I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am flying from sinners who wish to kill me and persecute me as Herod did. Do thou save me. Prayer. Then, O Mary, even after thy son hath died by the hands of men who persecuted him unto death, these ungrateful men have not yet ceased persecuting him by their sins and continue to afflict thee, O sorrowful mother. And, O God, I also have been one of these. Ah, my most sweet mother, obtain me tears to weep over such ingratitude. By the sufferings thou didst endure in thy journey to Egypt, assist me in the journey in which I am now engaged towards eternity, that thus I may at length be united with thee in loving my persecuted Savior in the kingdom of the blessed. Amen. So ends the reading for today. It feels that we're persecuted nowadays for having faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that the case, my brothers and sisters? We think of what Jesus and the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph went through on the walk to Egypt. They call it the, the flight into Egypt. It was the, the flight from the evil of Herod. We want to go anywhere. I live in the United States. We want to go anywhere in the continental United States. You can basically fly from one side of the country to the other, you know, from East Coast to West Coast in four or five hours. You can fly from New York, where I am currently, to Florida in about two and a half hours or less. St. Joseph led the Holy Family some 300 miles on foot. And they didn't have those nice uh, Nike or Reebok high tops that we have nowadays, right? They were in sandals. Blessed Mother was probably on the back of a little donkey carrying baby Jesus. Whatever we're involved in in our life, whatever trials and tribulations we go through, the Holy Family has been there. Been there, done that, says the Holy Family. They're with you in your struggles. They're with you in your sufferings. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Was he born into a gigantic mansion? Was he born into uh, riches beyond anyone's imagining? No. He was born into poverty. He was born basically in, in a cave. And when we think about this flight into Egypt, nowadays with all of these lockdowns and mandates and all these other things, and people trying to get out of cities, moving from one state or one country to another. And I, I highly recommend if you live in a city, get out if you haven't already done so. Cities are extremely dangerous places nowadays. 
not only in the United States, but basically anywhere in the world, move to a suburb, get to a rural area, because cities have just become way, way too dangerous. And especially in America, over the last few years, we've seen a great deal of lawlessness, not only in cities, but especially in cities. So get out if you can. But people have been trying to move, haven't they, in the last two or three years from one place to another, trying to move from a a place that's dangerous to a place that's safe. Well, no matter where you are in the world, you know, trying to move for safety, trying to move for freedom, trying to move for better economic opportunities for your family. When we meditate on this dolor, the second dolor of the Blessed Mother, the flight into Egypt, she sympathizes with you. She knows what's that, what that is like very intimately. It's not something she experienced secondhand. It's something she literally went through herself while she was taking care of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and being under the guidance, under the wonderful protection of St. Joseph. Holy Family is always with you. Let us ask God for the grace to make our families like the Holy Family, like little versions of the Holy Family. Father, mother, and children. Living our lives directed towards our Heavenly Father. Living our lives centered on keeping God in everything and being the focal point of everything that we do. There are so many attacks nowadays on the family. The way we're supposed to live, the self-sacrificing, humble style of living, we can only go to the Holy Family for that example. We have all sorts of misguided notions of what families are nowadays. And, you know, so much divorce and so many single parents and now, you know, two mothers and two fathers and all this other stuff, it's, it's not what's meant to be. You know, society has broken down because of its sinfulness, mainly in regards to um, sins pertaining to lust. I'm not pointing the finger at, at anyone else. I'm as weak and sinful a human being as, as anyone else. But until we return to God's initial plan, his perfect plan for marriage and family life, and his perfect plan for love and sexuality and the marital embrace only being shared within the bonds of holy matrimony until we get back to that and what the church teaches about marriage and family life there can be no progress in society you've probably heard that phrase i know professor jones dr e michael jones uses it often no progress outside the moral order There are people nowadays who call themselves progressives and believe that society can somehow advance without morality. That's not possible. First of all, these people who call themselves progressives have no idea what they're progressing towards. Most of the time, it's over the edge of a cliff. We're supposed to be progressing towards heaven. That's our ultimate destiny. The Holy Family will help us get there, but we need to let them. We need to stop sinning, right? We need to hate sin and love virtue. And unless we're willing to hate sin 
and love virtue unless we're willing to cooperate with God's grace and he has a plan for everyone. It's an individualized plan that only you can carry out. But unless you're willing to cooperate with his grace and say no to your sins, yes to virtuous behavior and yes to what God wants to accomplish through you, you're never going to be happy. I know from firsthand experience. I've tried to live my life, you know, do it myself. It's like Professor Crafe says, the theme song of hell is my way. We can try to do things our way and think we can go it alone without God's help and pursue whatever, wealth, pleasure, power, and fame. That might feel good in the short term, but in the long run, that is a losing plan, my, my friends. God's plan is the only way to go. Ultimately, it's the only one that will satisfy you in this life and, of course, in the next. Because the alternative is eternal damnation. And, of course, we don't want that for ourselves. We don't want that for our loved ones. We don't want that for anyone. We want everyone to go to heaven. We know that's not going to be the case. We know souls have been lost and tragically souls will be lost in the future. But we want as many to be saved as possible. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is Lord. Prayer for the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God and our tender mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the most holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine immaculate heart by the Pope in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore thy divine Son to grant a special grace to the Pope that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity. Mankind will be given a time of peace, and the Church will be granted an authentic renewal in the purity of the Catholic faith, the sacredness of divine worship, and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and our sweet Mother, turn thine eyes of mercy towards us and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness hear and answer me. Amen. O my Jesus, it is for love of thee, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer this sacrifice to thee. 
May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of Our Lady of Fatima's Immaculate Purity. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Virgo potens, ora per nobis, Sancti Osef, Teradimonem, ora per nobis, in nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 297 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast in your charity. Please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. And most importantly, pray for the eternal salvation of the world's bishops. Goodbye and God love you.